I think being a creator over a competitor is key because as a competitor, you're, you're at a disadvantage and you're reacting to the market more than you're creating your own vision. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. Dream career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're Hint. listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kaff, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara Golden from Unstoppable, and I'm really, really excited for my next guest. So this is Kurt Seidensticker. So Kurt, for those of you who don't know, is the founder and CEO of Vital Proteins, Super excited to have you here today. And he's a serial entrepreneur with more than two decades of experience, including holding positions at NASA and Motorola. Wow, crazy. And can't wait to hear about that. He's successfully grown a number of companies within the e-commerce space journey that eventually led him to define a new space in the nutrition marketplace powdered collagen category. And he is, as I mentioned, the CEO and founder, and the company is called Vital Proteins. I bet you've actually seen it in the store. It's also been featured in Vogue and Men's Health and Well and Good and People and lots of celebrity fans, everyone from Jennifer Aniston to Kourtney Kardashian and many, many more. So we're super excited to have you here and just sharing kind of your story and how this whole thing got started. So Welcome. Yeah, Kara, thanks for having me. Looking forward to our talk today. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, okay, so NASA to Vital Proteins. How did that jump happen? You know, I think there's an underlying story behind my passion for being an entrepreneur. I think that started when I was a kid. Like I was always kind of thinking outside of the box and and trying to be a creator and, and figuring out new ways to do things. And when it was time to go off to college, I started thinking about well, what's going to give me that best tool to kind of solve these problems. And I, and I really went into aerospace engineering for some reason, because it was the toughest major for problem solving. And I thought I'd take on that challenge. And, you know, after I left college, I went, uh, you know, naturally with that degree, went to NASA and got into a, a really great role there of first learning how to fly the space shuttle and then training the astronauts how to fly the space shuttle. And I think for a kid right out of school, that was kind of like a dream come true. And But underlying all of this was like that need to make a difference and make a change and take on challenges and be a creator. And so really, I've used a lot of my, I think innately in my skills are just like looking at things a little bit differently and trying to change the way we do things for the better. And I kind of went from NASA and went moved back to Chicago and, and worked at Motorola. And Motorola, this is 1994, really starting to create 
cell phone technology. So one of my roles there was really to go around the world and design the first generation cell phone networks that are the basis for what we do for daily communications today. And, and after that, then, you know, the internet came about and started thinking about, you know, how are these cities going to communicate and share information and went to really start up a, a company called Level 3 Communications, which even today built the backbone of the internet by connecting cities through fiber optic cables. You'd connect, you know, Denver to Chicago, Chicago to New York, or New York to Atlanta. And it became the basis for the backbone of the internet. And once that was done in, in 1998, 2000, started realizing, okay, what's going to run over this data? We have all this fiber optic bandwidth capability. What's going to really run over that? And looked at, you know, creating a data center business because I knew we needed, you know, software and technology to actually create experiences and data for consumers. And so started a, started a data center company right in 1999 and then realized that, okay, on top of that, e-commerce. And if you remember back in that day, people thought e-commerce was never really going to be a transformative element of our world. And I kind of saw the convenience of it and, and eventually, you know, worked on developing technology behind that, became recognized as the internet, I think internet retailer, one of the top 50 innovators in e-commerce. And that just kind of created a platform, I think, for future innovation and, and ideas of, of creating things. And throughout this whole time, my whole life, I've always really been focused on running and fitness and wellness and, and running has been a part of my life. And what I realized as I was getting older, I always heard the story about people having to hang up their running shoes because your body just had a very difficult time, you know, in your mid forties, continuing that daily pace of the run. And, and I started thinking like, I didn't want to do that because I was really passionate. And so what I took on that problem solving, why is it that people have to give up running? you know, in, in their mid forties. And it really came down to your body's inability to repair itself quick enough between your runs. And that repair process is really the repair of collagen structures in your joints. And at the time... Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie smart. Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too like breakfast and on-the-go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part, each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
That's code GOLDEN50 at Factormeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. You know, people were promoting glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. And the idea was those were just masking the problem. They weren't actually regenerating or fixing the problem that was actually underlying it. And my daughter was in med school at the time and we kind of talked together and it turns out just kind of fate. There was this article that came out about glycine's role in collagen synthesis. So initially I was thinking glycine was the key uh, that I was missing from my diet and started looking on that journey of where I could get glycine. And turns out collagen was rich in glycine and it was like over 50% glycine. And I said, okay, well, I noticed there were some tablets in the market and people were taking one or two grams. And I said, well, how much do I need to take? And that science really turned out to be your body needed like 20 to 40 grams a day. Hmm which means I would have had to take like 80 tablets a day. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I can't even take one on a regular basis. So I started thinking, well, why isn't this, why can't I get more collagen today? And and part of that's taste profile, solubility. And so really creating a collagen that integrated into everyone's daily wellness routine, like adding it to your coffee, adding it to smoothie, adding to oatmeal. Because I had been taking protein supplements from 
you know, dairy proteins and plant proteins. And when I was looking at this, I said, I could create a new category of this collagen protein where it is scoop based and it's actually incorporated into your daily diet that was different than what was being promoted for collagen normally, which was a beauty supplement, a pill a day, right? Mm -hmm. And so that creation of that category, I think, was really transformative. And, and this all happened within like a week of time from seeing that paper to saying, wow, that's, and I, I still remember the feeling today is like, I go, wow, that's really a vital protein. And then the spark came. And I think that comes from having started other businesses and knowing and recognizing there's an opportunity and a great idea and it, you know, you're solving your own problem, but you also see the benefit of, of this for other people. And I think within a week or two, I leased a facility and started, you know, got rehabbing it and turning it into a manufacturing facility for collagen. And, you know, the kind of rest just took off from there. Wow. I have so many questions that it's <laughs> amazing because, and, you know, you were obviously doing things in, you know, technology and then to actually create a consumer product that is, you know, sold on the shelf, right? I mean, there were a few yeah. iterations before. You started when? How many years ago? The idea was in September 2012, and I was ready to launch the first product in November of 2013. So about six years, seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. It's crazy. So your first product out of the gate was what? The collagen peptide, which today still is our hero skew. It's the number one seller. It's now become like the number one protein brand in the country or the number one skew in the protein category. And it continues to dominate, even as we innovate, or that one skew that we created right at the beginning continues to lead the market. That's and amazing. Continues to lead our own brand. And the distribution, like, think about because you had never done this, right? Like, never it's like, it. and I don't know if that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was a curse or a benefit, but you know, I had gone to Expo West, I think, in 2013, right? So after I had the idea, I got to figure out how to do this, and. As you know, when you go to Axel West, you have the Hilton Hotel there and there's that gathering place. And I had sat down with this guy and just was, he told me his story about his business that he had a great idea and he'd been in the CPG space for decades. And he launched his idea, went through distributors, went through co-manufacturers, got a national retail launch and all in the same year. And by the end of the year, he was bankrupt. And what I took from that is, okay, I'm going to vertically integrate. I'm going to do manufacturing and myself, I'm not going to go to distributors right away. And I'm actually not going to go on retail shelves right away because one of the failure points was you can't just be on a shelf, right? Consumers not going to buy you unless they know you. They're going to walk into a Whole Foods and they're going to say, oh, I know this brand. I've heard about it. I want to buy it, right? Mm -hmm. I want to try it. So you need to create that brand awareness early on in, your, in the evolution of the brand. So I said, I'm going to hold off on retail. I'm going to really focus on direct to consumer and focus on educating consumers about this new category of product. And we'll like, it'll naturally evolve into, you know, a retail distributed product. That's awesome. Yeah. That was about the same time, 2013, 2014 was when we did our direct to consumer, you know, we're still a lot earlier than many other ready-to-drink products, but I had actually come from AOL. I ran AOL's e-commerce, and I didn't even think that a beverage company could launch online. I mean, there were other issues like the weight of it and shipping and yeah. you know, lots of other stuff included, but I mean, it was really, I always tell people when I get phone calls and people say, hey, you know, like, how do I build a direct-to-consumer business? And I always tell people, like, Amazon's a 
you know, great first step to actually see like how much, not only how much, you know, desire people have in like wanting your product, but also what is the competition? Like, how are people, you know, viewing this? Is there a lot of education needed around your product? And, you know, all of those kind of components as well. So you launch that and then, and what's the component of that, you know, that killer product that you have? I mean, what is... So it's, so it's relatively simple, right? You basically take gelatin and you hydrolyze it into peptides and make a cold water soluble protein from it. And so it's essentially derived from cowhide, bovine hide. So it was a relatively simple ingredient that wasn't really being used in the market today as a, a new form of ingredient supplement. So Amazing. Amazing. So then you're going along, building this brand online. Like at what point did you say, I need to make this a food and beverage brand? Well, I think one thing that made the brand successful early on, not only that first initial direct-to-consumer launch, it's we partnered that launch along with doing trade shows and consumer events and getting out there and doing yeah, I think the first year I did like 30 or 40. The next year I did like 150, right? And it was always being on the road and always being out there talking to the consumer. And, and you reconnect with these consumers year after year and they get to know your product and you're out there educating. And, you know, from that conversation, then you hear how they take the product and they bring ideas and they talk about like, wouldn't it be great if you had this? This is what I do with the product, blah, blah, blah. And from that, then it became clear that, you know, some consumers are having challenges of taking collagen peptides in their normal routine because they weren't used to taking a dietary supplement, but they wanted to take it. They were either putting in ice cold water and having solubility issues. And we thought like, we need to really think about making this more convenient, more accessible to a broader number of consumers who, who are not blender aficionados, right? Who know how to make the product. And so that led us to the idea of, of creating a collagen water itself. And, you know, that came with challenges too, technical challenges, because it really hadn't been done before. And we spent probably, probably about a year developing the product. And, you know, that also then led to our, our bar formulation and other food categories as well. And what we noticed, this is the great thing about direct-to-consumer business, because you have that relationship, you can constantly have that conversation. You can send out surveys to, you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers and get immediate feedback. And, you know, we did a survey, I think, in 2016 and asked our consumers, how are you taking the product? Why are you taking it? When are you taking it? What benefits are you looking for? Tell us more about your lifestyle and how you incorporate it. And from that survey, we learned a lot of things that consumers were really incorporating our products into their morning routines, into their coffee. And that I think we had over 50% of our consumers consuming with coffee. And that led us to the innovation of of coffee creamers, right? We have a powder line today and a liquid line coming online as well. But because of the usage occasion and because of that direct relationship with the consumer, it allowed us to evolve into what the consumers were telling us they wanted from Vital. So leaning into the digital marketing early, I think is something you definitely did and were ahead of the curve like especially in the influencer space. I mean, we talked a little bit about some of the celebrities. How did you think about that? I mean, again, you're <laughs> yeah. you're a guy from NASA who's like, you know, I mean, you're jumping in and and doing it. I mean, it's awesome. So, yeah, how did you think about it? You know, it was it was a natural evolution of the brand because I remember in 2014 right as we had launched the brand trying to figure out how we we're going to do marketing 
because I wanted this company to earn every single dollar it made. It wasn't, I wasn't going to overinvest in it. And hopefully the success came later. It had to earn success every single day. And so we we're very frugal with everything. And, and I was standing in line at Whole Foods and read a, a paleo magazine. And there's this paleo FX conference coming up in one week in Austin. I said, let's just go to that and see what happens. And that turned out to be a very critical moment, I think, in Vitals history, because we went down there. It's a four-day show, long hours, but every single person there had a platform and a voice to educate consumers and their own audience about health and wellness. And so that first show, you know, I'm, I met Melissa Hartwig, Melissa Urban with Whole30. I met Mark Sisson. I met Wellness Mama. I met a ton of people and just had hour-long conversations with them and kind of told them what my idea was. And what came out of that was, even before influencers were thing, were these friendships and partnerships that helped advocate the brand through an authentic voice of third parties. And we continue to do that. Once I saw that right off the bat, that became part of our strategy, doing hundreds of these. And I think, you know, last year we did probably over close to 10,000 events through our whole team, right? There's a massive team either doing in-store demos or being at consumer trade shows or being out in the field doing something. And But through those direct face-to-face connections, we developed these relationships authentically with influencers that we were never even paying influencers really in the first three, four years of the brand. And because of that, you know, experts became knowledgeable about collagen and its benefit and they advocated for it. And then you have individuals like Jennifer Aniston, where her doctor suddenly is recommending that she should take this or she's seeking out knowledge about it. And she became an, an authentic you know, unsolicited, natural advocate for the brand. And in a majority of our our influence, that's how they came across Vitalist through their own journey. Yeah, well, I think third-party stories are just super impactful, like whether it's a celebrity or if it's actually, you know, somebody who's just a fan of the brand. I'm, I've just found that, and maybe in some ways, I think fans of the brand are even, I don't know, I go back and forth on this because I think while celebrities definitely bring value at certain times. I also feel like people feel like, oh, they were just paid to do this, right? Right. And so I don't think you, you know, people always ask, you know, if I'm building a brand, do I have to go get 10, you know, stars to come and represent my product? And I don't think you do. I think especially if you're starting small and trying to, you know, get your financials all figured out. It's not something that you should, I think it's better to actually get people to taste your product, which is what we did initially. And we just, you know, focused on having a great product and and getting the product out, which I know you guys have done as well. And then moving into retailers, did you think like that was just much harder to sort of figure out distribution and everything else, right? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, a funny story, I had absolutely no experience in this, right? And the benefit, I think, of developing that direct-to-consumer brand and getting the voice out there and being brand forward instead of retailer forward is that consumers knew who we were and they were buying us and we we got on the radar of national retailers. Whole Foods was probably at the all these Paleo FX shows in Austin from their headquarters and they came over and they started talking to us. And from that discussion, they came to us and said, we want to launch you nationally. And it wasn't a sales pitch, right? It wasn't us going out, hitting the road, going in, trying to get a meeting and trying to get a pitch on a calendar. It was really having the retailers come to us and say, we want to carry you. And that partnership has worked really well with all of our retailers. And 
from that, then you can, you know, the funny thing is, so I think it was September of 2016, Whole Foods says, yeah, we want to carry you nationally. And I'm like, great, let's do that. And we worked through all the terms and the, the strategy. And, and I think we signed the deal mid-November, like I think it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving in November. And I'm like, great, deal done. Then it's like, okay, here's what we need you to do in the next two weeks. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and getting that that huge relationship going and, and I had no sales team. And suddenly I realized I needed to build a sales team really quick just to support, you know, a national rollout with, with Whole Foods. And, and then that just naturally expanded into our, our sales team who does a phenomenal job on retailer partnerships and getting the brand out there and getting the product on shelf. And then your last thing that you did was the ready to drink and which is, you know, yeah. in many ways, probably the most challenging of, of any of them it because <laughs> yeah, having a, a DSD, do you have a DSD network as well? And yeah, we have several DSD networks, I think between different regional areas in Los Angeles and Chicago and, and down South as well. And, you know, building, building that distributor network yourself is a challenge, right? We did not go, you know, big distributor globally or big distributor nationally initially. And we've kind of just worked our way through that because there's, it's not only having a distributor supporting the marketing and education. Totally. Behind it. Yeah, no, I absolutely get it. And DSD, by the way, for those of you who don't know our, our lingo that, that Kurt and I are going back is direct store <laughs> delivery. So it's, it's all those trucks that, get your products to the store and, you know, hopefully merchandise, help merchandise yeah. the stores, et cetera. So let's talk about like goal setting. I mean, because you've like, you've really built this company. I mean, incredibly impressive. How many people do you have now in the? I think we're around 450 people total. Like we are vertically integrated. So we do have our own manufacturing yeah. facility, which probably is about half the staff, right? And then the other half is sales, marketing, finance, operations, admin, HR. That's awesome. And the manufacturing is all in Chicago or? All in Chicago. Yeah. Franklin Park, right right next to O'Hare Airport. It's part of strategic marketing, right? I built the warehouse right on 294 South with a huge vital protein sign on it. So <laughs> you get the. Oh, that's. Probably 200,000 people driving That's by it every awesome. day. That's awesome. Do you know Julie oh, yeah, Malinsky yeah, yeah. from Lifeway? Yeah, yeah. Foods. Yeah, yeah, I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I have a lot of Chicago on here, actually. Yeah. We've become a new incubator, I think, with entrepreneurs. And our offices were, I think, two blocks away from hers when we were in our temp office in Fulton Market on the west side. So. Oh, that's awesome. So how do you continue with competition? I mean, very similar. I feel you, how you started not only a new product, but also a new category, which, you know, as I share with people, I have a book coming out in October and I talk a whole chapter about this, how it's like, you know, I had no idea I was starting a new category right did you know you were yeah. starting a new category when you started this or yeah, yeah I, knew, I mean that was my goal right I think being a creator over a competitor is key because yeah. as a competitor you're you're at a disadvantage and you're reacting to the market more than you're creating your own vision and and so I saw that gap in a protein space between plant protein and, and, and dairy-based protein that allowed us to set the narrative and define the category of that collagen ingestible market. I don't like to look at competition, right? I think the first two, three years of Vital, we didn't have, we had almost no competition. So we were just freely ourselves to kind of create and innovate and follow that vision. I think as, you know, 2016, we started getting competitive or competitors entering the market. They were seeing how well Vital was doing. 
I try to stay away from looking at that because I still have this vision to build. And I tell our team, like, let's focus on who we are Mm -hmm. and what we want to build. And let's be the definers of this category. And I think through innovation, the great thing is we're we're on generation four or generation five. And as a competitor enters the market, they're on generation one and they have to go through the same paths that we went through. And, you know, always being a creator and showing that expertise to the consumer and having that relevance to the consumer allows you to, to maintain market leadership. And we've done that throughout the, uh, throughout the life cycle for final. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just add to that. I mean, the interesting thing that I found was I remember when Coke came out with their first competitor to hint in the early days of hint. I mean, we're now a 15 year old brand. And I remember that was a bad day in like the, the timeline. I, I remember thinking like, Oh, this is terrible, right? Like we're dead on arrival, right? It's awful. And then what I realized is that we started a new category. And so they were actually helping us to expand the category and by bringing in this competition. And as long as we focused on being better and being a better product, right? And do what we were doing every single day. I mean, people have asked me in the past, like, did you really you know, change. And I'm like, no, I mean, it was really about focusing on what we do every day and understanding our quality and being able to still educate people on what we're doing and, and potentially if we needed to change. Right. We, I mean, I think like the only thing we really did during that time, and I'd be curious to hear what you think about this or what you guys did, but maybe we did some skew rationalization because we just thought, you know, those might be skewing retailers at that time, we were just in in stores to think like, oh, this isn't successful because maybe they weren't the best flavors, right? Or, or yeah. the best products. So we got rid of the stuff um, that just was good, but it was polarizing to people. Like I always Agreed, talk yeah. about, like we had a cucumber water. And we like, too, and that was gone. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I mean, it was, it was funny. I mean, this was 15 years ago, not when, when you started, but I talk about this in the book where, you know, in the West Coast, like everybody, we couldn't keep it in stock on the West Coast. And, you know, when we brought it into New York, it was like, people were like, what are you thinking? Like, how can you have a <laughs> cucumber water? And then people have yeah, this right. vision for the brand. And so I always say, you know, people say they want to be weird and different, but the reality is, is like the best, you know, fruits in the fruit and vegetable section are really what sell, right? There's no like big secret around it and don't be weird, right? Like it's like, (laughs) that's the key thing. But did you feel that have the same experience? Yeah. You know, I still struggle with skew rationalization because you know, you, you have something that you think works yeah. and maybe the consumer isn't resonating with it. And you say, okay, it's generating, you know, so much money on the market. And you really want to pull that off and put something else in that you think can, can be better. And I think early on as a category creator, one advantage we had is, you know, our hero product was great, but the retailers really wanted a brand block. And what like they would take four shelves or even sometimes an entire pod within within a store and put all shelves, all vital protein. So we would have 30, 60 products or 60 front-facing products all in one section of the store. And we have to make a decision which one of these are we going to take out and what are we going to create and put in its place because we didn't want to lose that shelf space. So innovation suddenly became part of the strategy of skew rationalization, which kind of, you know, as a brand, you want to be really efficient and not have 
hundreds of SKUs. And yeah, that's always been a challenge for us because everyone always has a new idea, and, but it keeps us fresh and innovative and lets consumers check in and say, oh, I haven't tried that yet. That looks interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you guys are constantly innovating into new products. I mean, the you guys jumped into the performance space. What made you kind of think like that was the thing to do? Yeah, you know, it just goes back to our roots, right? I started the brand because I was really fitness forward and focused on running. And a few things happened over the years with Vital, right? When having a direct-to-consumer relationship, you know, doing these surveys, I found out our consumer was 80% female consuming it for beauty benefits. And I'm like, okay, I thought I created like this paleo running company, but really our consumers were female beauty and wellness forward. And I said, there's still that benefit for men, there's still a benefit for athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and we were off, we were still going out there. We were going to Boston Marathon. We were doing all these sporting events and, and the enthusiast, the runner, were still very passionate about us. And uh, yeah, I think we did a CrossFit event. People said, oh, I didn't know you guys were in fitness as well. And I'm like, yeah, we've always been here. That's and, so funny. And what I, what I realized, the Chicago Cubs, like in 2016, every player was taking vinyl proteins every single day. They had no injuries the whole year and they end up winning the World Series and we became like long-term partners with the Cubs. And suddenly every, you know, every major league team came in and said, what were the Cubs doing? And the Cubs were really great to introduce us to all the other teams. And we introduced collagen pretty much to major league sports in 2017 after the Cubs victory. And so it was this underlying benefit that was being provided that really wasn't resonating with consumers with our mainline brand. So performance came about to really focus on that that fitness benefit focus on that athlete benefit and so we kind of launched that here last year as part of our, our new brand line the vital performance line that's awesome what percent of your business is direct to consumers i mean that's where you started right yeah yeah so so early on right it was 100% when we launched with whole foods right it goes down to down to 80% but then as we expanded right it had gotten down to probably, probably about 30 to 35% and we've seen a you know, slight shift with, with COVID and, and the changes in the world we have today, you know, we're kind of floating that 30 to 40% of direct to consumer. And, and when I say the direct to consumer, it's our website plus the Amazon, yeah. which we manage ourselves. So. Interesting. Yeah. We really, we've flipped actually through COVID. It's fascinating yeah. because I mean, we had close to 40% of our business was direct to consumer. And then we have sort of a, an additional channel, which I'm not sure. Probably different for your business. We call it food service, but it's like offices and maybe some of it for your ready to drink stuff. But we're not really in too many like food lunch spots where you you guys might be or smoothie bars or something like that's just not really where we've kind of shown up. Not that we haven't wanted to. It's just sort of how it's kind of played out. But that business in March basically shut down with all of these offices shutting down. And that was like 15% of our overall business. And so we really made some pretty big bets and bold bets and said, all close through the end of the year. And we said, even if it comes back, like, I mean, people all around us. I was out speaking in March, in late March, and they were like, oh, come on. Like, it's not going to close down until the end of the year. And I'm like, let me be wrong. Like, I, we really were like, yeah. you know, f- focused on that. And then we very quickly were, we were buying ads and, you know, upping our Facebook and Google budgets. And I mean, at one point, I think one of the buyers said to me from Facebook, he said, 
Have you been watching the news? There's like, I mean, I, I don't really understand what you guys are doing right now because everybody's canceling ads and we were like, yeah. boom. I mean, we spent it up. Yeah, yeah, we were really in TV and we did a lot of stuff. And so now that business is like 55% of our overall business. It, I mean, we almost tripled that business. Yeah. It was crazy. We did something similar. I think early March, I kind of saw the same things happening. And, and really, I think late February, I activated my team and I said, there's going to be a shift here, more direct to consumer. And we had to I task my team, you know, we use this internal thing uh, tag called We Sprint. But I said, guys, we need to really, normally we would maintain two weeks of inventory at Amazon, right? And Amazon's a massive business for us. And we, it's just in time delivery. And I said, we really need to bump that up to eight to 16 weeks. They're going to have logistics problems. More consumers are going to shift. The velocity is going to increase. We need to be ready to shift. And so we shifted our manufacturing to really be prepared for that growth in, in direct to consumers. We never had supply chain issues and we ended up investing more in digital marketing and, and really letting the consumer know that Vital was still there and present in their everyday wellness routine because wellness is becoming more more front and center in everyone's mind. Yeah, totally. And you had a list. You had a list of names. You know, same with yeah. us. It, it was a you know, we could communicate directly with the consumer and, you know, and share that we were understanding what they were going through, which I think is such a key thing. If you didn't have that list, you were sitting here saying, oh my gosh, my shelves are empty at various stores and, you know, having to sort of deal with entire distribution arms in the case of food service shutting down. I mean, I've talked to yep. many founders who, if your only two channels are stores and food service, like through COVID, it's not a pretty picture, right? Like they're starting to yep. come back. But I think that the direct to consumer model was really, you know, for those of us that really had invested in it and really understood it, I think it, it was just having a leg up. Yeah, that's very interesting to hear. You kind of had the same perspective. So what's next for you? What's What are you excited about through the end of 2020? You know, I'm excited about our global expansion, right? We, we had very broad global expansion plans for 2020 that have slightly been altered, but still on target and still on pace for, for a full global launch here by the end of the year. And so, you know, we're focusing on Europe, we're focusing on Asia, South America. And I, I see huge opportunities, I think, for Vital really to bring wellness to the world. And and it's great because it's like you're creating again and you're creating these new markets and, and going into them. And so for me, that's really, really exciting. That's awesome. Are you doing like joint ventures or with some of these countries or are you actually just going yeah. in? So we're, we're, we're leading like how we did it in the U.S. We're really leading with e-commerce. We're leading with Amazon. We're leading with influencers. We're leading with our direct-to-consumer business and getting that awareness out there before we go into distribution, before we go on to retail shelves. I think the retail shelves will happen here in January. We still have, we have a few launch partners in the U.K. as well. And yeah, that's the other thing, right? We, we just did a merger with Nestle and Nestle has an immense global presence that congrats will, that's you know, huge vital proteins yeah thank that's you. awesome that gives us the platform I, re- I think really for global scale that's awesome yeah i know and i think definitely nestle will learn from you guys as well because that direct-to-consumer 
ability, capability that you've really proven out here. That's super, super exciting. So, well, this is awesome. I loved, I loved our conversation. So I asked one last question, what makes you unstoppable? I feel like you've answered, you know, I I have to say, and, and this is actually not a plug for my book, although I feel like so many things that you've said sort of fit into this profile that I talk about. And the book's called Undaunted. And it's really about you know, I bet so many people have said, oh, you know, Kurt's fearless. And I bet you do have fears, right? I have fears. Tackle yeah. them, right? <laughs> and you just go and do it. And it's a journey. And you've switched careers. You've done, you know, you are a proven example of somebody who lives undaunted. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I've, I've, heard the, I've heard the quote that a, a good CEO has a healthy amount of paranoia, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, totally. that, it's that fear of, of looking in the future and seeing potholes and hazards and trying to navigate that. But I think you know what makes me unstoppable and a lot of things I've even learned just from Vital is, is that you know, passion and perseverance and not giving up and be convicted to your vision and make it work, right? That ability not to give up and to continue to pursue is, is really what makes all of us unstoppable. I love it. I love it. So vitalproteins.com and check them out in lots of great stores that are out there as well. And where do people find Kurt? Are you on social? And I am. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, just being Kurt is my Instagram and also on LinkedIn as well. So I love it. I love it. It's great. Well, everybody check it out. And uh, definitely, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a great review and give Kurt a great review and definitely subscribe to Unstoppable. We're super, super excited to have everybody here and have Kurt here and everybody stay safe and well and come back and listen to more great stories. So thanks so much. like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. unstoppable.